0: just over here vibing to that intro so like how are you how's it going what's going on what's new how's life it's still cold here so don't worry we're not you know super crazy busy in the field but it is a perfect time for us to be planning for next spring's flowers so it's like the middle of march and we really need to be thinking about our fall planting plans um, And that's what we're going to be talking about today. So, welcome. How are you? Hope you're having a great day. My name is Drew, and this is the Between Me and Drew podcast with Clara Joyce Flowers. Um, And I have the utmost—I need to come up with a new line for this because they usually say, I have the honor and privilege of working and blah, 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 which I do. Like, that's for real. But it's so amazing to be— Let's retract that statement. I am so blessed and honored and fortunate to be in the situation that I am in to work with the people that I do and to know that every day is going to be something new, something different and every day is going to be what we make it. Um so, having said all of that, Um, My farm, Clara Joyce Flowers, is a nine-acre cut flower farm. Um, We specialize in cut flowers and foliage, and we also grow um, under 20,000 square feet of um, greenhouse space. The majority of that is not heated all winter long, um, which is perfect for being more cost-effective and savvy, on cold cropping methods, which is what we're talking about today. Woohoo! So I think this is now officially the world's longest intro to an episode. Um, and um, we're gonna get started. Also, I should preface: in the middle of this, we have a little note, or I have a little note about where you can and where we purchase, or where you can purchase um, a lot of stuff that we're talking about today. So going to be a great time um so we we've got this uh topic broken out we're gonna first emphasize on knowing and understanding your space and your limitations and ways to incorporate um cool flowers or cold crops into your production plan um we're going to talk about understanding your timelines and why you would incorporate something like this into your program. Um, and we're going to also talk about why this might not work for everyone. Okay. Because these, this system does have some limitations. Um, and then once we get towards the end, we're going to talk about and break out everything that would fall into this, um, system as far as crop specifically. Um, and we'll, we'll talk about a lot of different specifics. Um, I am also going to include the, list of specific crops, um, in the description for this podcast. So, um, you will be able to have that printed out or in print for you rather than me just talking. So, um, let's dive in. I've got my drink and, um, it is an iced coffee. Um, so if I sneeze, it's because I'm in my warm office and I'm drinking a cold drink. So that's just how that works for me. Um, so, let's roll Um, the first thing we're going to talk about is knowing your space and your limitations Um, and i i should preface this by saying when we're talking about cold cropping um, you might be asking what the hell does that mean Um, cold cropping is when you are taking a annual a hardy annual so something that can withstand frost and you are planting it in the fall, so that it um, has time to get rooted in and grow just a tiny little bit, and then it goes into a dormancy over the cold winter months. And then once spring comes around, and it's getting much warmer, then that's when those crops are going to bloom. And the principle behind this is the crops that we're planting are going to bloom a lot sooner in this system because they've been able to get established in the fall. They've been able to grow maybe a little bit of vegetation over the winter months. Um, But they've already got the root system established and they're already hardened off way before anything else would be at that point in the season that we would have been planting um, via transplants or growing via transplants in a propagation house or under lights or something like that. Um, So that's kind of what cold cropping is in a nutshell Um, but we we really need to understand you know some of the more specific details that fall into the process of cold cropping so the first thing that i think about is does my soil freeze where i'm growing and for us here we have three main different growing zones on our farm we have open field growing which our soil in our field usually does freeze solid So that's going to mean that this probably isn't going to work for us for field-grown specifically. We also have unheated caterpillar tunnels. They're a farmer's friend tunnel. Um, We have both the 12-foot and the 16-foot wide. I think that's the widths of them. Um, And they only have one layer of plastic on the top. So that soil in there usually doesn't freeze. Okay, So that is open to the possibility of using that space for this cold cropping process here on our farm. Our farm is located, um, in Northwestern Illinois where zone, um, five, a five B depending on the season. Um, but don't use the USDA zones as gospel from the Bible. Okay. (laughs) It's because that doesn't always mean the same thing for everybody. Um, if our farm were on the north side of a hill, it would be much colder and ground probably would freeze a lot harder than it does because we are positioned on the south side of a, of a hill. So you have to take those factors into account. Um, and you will learn and kind of understand how your farm and your, your gardens and your beds um, all behave specifically over time. So we've got those two zones. We've got field and we've got unheated caterpillar houses. We also have... Um, big greenhouses that are 34 by 96 feet and those structures specifically do have two layers of plastic on the roof and the gap in that bubble in between the two layers of plastic is inflated with a small inflation fan um, and that process of inflating that roof um, gains us an immense amount of insulation over the winter months. And the reason that that's super duper important is because that insulation, that extra cushion of temperature uh, regulation is going to basically keep our soil from freezing over the winter um, very reliably, honestly. Um, So with that in mind, that space is for sure a go on doing cold cropping because the soil doesn't freeze solid. Um, If you are in a warmer zone, let's say Daniel in South Carolina, he's able to do the vast majority of these processes out in his field because the soil there never freezes. Um, So there definitely is, you know, variations to this because what we do here in northern Illinois is going to be totally different for other people. Um, If you were in a zone four, three or four, you might not even be able to do this, but you're going to be able to tell based on, you know, understanding and getting out there in the middle of winter and checking your soil and your structures and seeing if it's frozen. Um, That's how you know. Um, The second thing to keep in mind is what structures do you currently have on your property that you're growing on, your soil, your ground? Do you have caterpillar tunnels? Do you have unheated hoop spaces? Um, is that something you can invest in as far as infrastructure? You know, do you have the ability to purchase and construct something like that? Um, if you don't f- foresee a larger structure in your game plan at this point, you know, do a little bit of a trial with a low tunnel. Um, you know, not, not a caterpillar tone that you'd be able to walk under. Um, but something that would be like three or four feet tall, you know, construct one of those in the fall, take care of it over the winter and see if that soil actually freezes. Um, because if that one single layer of plastic is enough to keep your ground from freezing over the winter, then that creates more opportunity for you to do things like this, which is going to get you flowers earlier in the season. So it, it, Structures when it comes to this sense of just keeping things from freezing do not have to be fancy at all. We're going for practicality. Um, so you don't need to spend 30 grand on a big fancy greenhouse just to be able to do this. There are much more cost effective ways. Um, if we're talking cost if we're talking like actual physical costs um the farmer's friend caterpillar tunnels um run usually around 3000 for a hundred foot kit um i think as far as accessibility and the ease of construction that is by far your best option um i adore the caterpillar the farmer's friend tunnels Um, we have three of them they're all the gothic style so that they shed snow on their own and um, they're amazing they're super easy to construct um, very quick to construct and i love them if you wanted to go more of a permanent route um, then you would be looking into like a greenhouse kit which there are so many manufacturers for greenhouses and high tunnels and unheated structures. So really the the, the possibility is endless. If you just have the intention of using that structure, that building for something like this, uh, cold cropping, then having heaters built into that right from the get-go is not a huge priority because you're going to be able to usually um, utilize frost fabrics and um, different materials like that in the spring when we need to protect protect um, these rapidly maturing plants from a possible late frost. If you do have the funds to add in a heater right from the get-go, that's going to save you time and a little bit of heartache, potential heartache, uh, down the road. So that might be something to look into. Um, let's see, that kind of brings us to one other thing to keep in mind too is do you commonly get late frosts in the spring? And I'm not talking like just like a little dusting of frost crystals here and there. I'm talking like a, a hard freeze, something that would like knock back a perennial. Um, because if that does happen for you, um, then you're you're really going to need to invest in some sort of heating for your structure if you're growing in a structure. Um, with this thought process because it is very, very frustrating if you've got a beautiful stand of Bells of Ireland that you are relying on for Mother's Day bouquets and then they all get frozen, frozen back because that's a problem. Um, I will tell you that all of the plants that are on the list that we'll talk about at the end are frost-hardy to a degree when once a plant starts to go into vegetative stage and they're producing buds um or once they go into flowering stage and they're producing buds that's when the frost hardiness really starts to taper down or go away completely um so that's when you're going to need to add some sort of pro- additional protection um and we'll we'll kind of dive into that a little bit more um, later. But that is one thing to kind of keep in mind as an overview of, um, and since it's March currently, keep track of that this spring so that, you know, for next year, you can plan accordingly. Like when was my last killing frost, um, in the spring? And, um, you'll be able to use that to make better choices for next year, which is fantastic. We love making smarter decisions. Um, but I think one of the, Main selling points for me for um, doing a, a cold cropping program or a system like this is we get flowers earlier without having to heat that space for the entire winter um so it makes them much more cost effective and affordable and more profitable for us to grow but with that there is timeline that you need to keep in mind um and i think one of the most important things in this entire process is getting your seeds and or your transplants planted in the ground early enough um and that can be a challenge if you've got you know a structure filled with whatever um but here's what i have to say about that um in order for a seed or a transplant to make it through the winter in an unheated space they really really need to be rooted in before the winter dormancy comes Um, and that can be hard so that means that you need to um, and also this is very dependent on your area You know, what are your winters like? So this is how we we move through this thought thought process here. Um, We have to have our transplants and our seeded things in the ground no later than like the middle end of November. Ideally, they would be going in at the end of October, first part of November, so that they have plenty of time to get established before it gets super cold. I understand that that's not always the most convenient and or – easy thing to do especially if you've got um, a late late or a a fall blooming crop planted in that tunnel or in that space already Um, and that happened to us at the end of the 2021 season because we had caterpillar tunnels filled with mums and uh, flowering cabbage and, you know, all those beautiful fall things. So we were trying to use as much of that product as we could, but it just kept pushing back and delaying and delaying and delaying our planting of our cold crops. Um, So that might be You know something that we see the results of this spring because those plants and those plugs weren't able to get as rooted in as they needed to be. So we might be dealing with some death loss there. Um, So for us, we need to get all of those things planted October, November, so that they're ready to go by the time the end of December comes and it gets super duper cold. So um, you need to definitely keep that timeline in mind. Um, Once you do have your things established or rooted in, um, that's when we're putting our frost cloth on. Um, so we would be using Ag 50, uh 50, Agrabond, uh, f- five zero. and um, that's a relatively thicker or a coarser weight. Um, so it's gonna give us a little bit more protection um, from the super cold temperatures here. And when I'm talking cold, in our zone, it's very common for us to get to like negative 20. Um, It happens every year, so we just know that we need to plan for that. Um, Also, when we're talking about um, putting on frost fabric, if you are going to be having fabric on for a prolonged period of time, it might be a good idea for you to have um, like a small, thin, number 9 wire hoop Um, that you'd put over your row so that your frost fabric isn't sitting directly on your foliage. Um, You can use um, fiberglass rods to help keep that material up off of the plants as well. Um, Do I think that that is an absolute necessity and it's going to make or break your crop? From my experience, no, it's not going to. Because when we cover our ranunculus, we have it right on the plants. When we cover our... Direct-seeded stuff, um, it's right on the plants, and they do fine. Um, does it maybe increase your risks of botrytis and some fungal issues? Yeah, the potential is there, absolutely. Um, but just because you have hoops or stakes holding that fabric up, does that solve the problem? Mm-mm, no. No, it doesn't. Um, so you're going need to need to kind of keep those things in mind, and that's a decision that you can make on your own um whether you want to have something holding that up or if you're going to be good with it just laying on the fabric or laying on the plants um once you make it through the winter and you start to see your plants um, starting to put on more vegetative growth so that would be leaves and longer stems things like that um, then you're going to have to do a little bit more of the cover-on-cover game Um, and because you are probably going to be growing these under a structure of some sort you do have some built-in frost protection already there. So if you know that you're gonna be getting into like the low 30s, upper 20s, um, you probably don't need to cover with frost fabric if you're not seeing buds already. Um, If you're still in vegetative, you're, you're fine in those temperatures. If you are seeing buds on your plants and you're gonna be getting into the 20s, mid 20s, low 20s, Down to the teens, that's when you're going to need to be covering a lot. Um, Some crops are more hardy when it comes to maintaining their flower set once frosts do come. Um, Things like Bells of Ireland, Larkspur, um, Bachelor Buttons, as well. Those can handle a harder frost rather than something like a ranunculus um, once you see those buds start to set. So you need to kind of, you know, keep that in mind as far as what you're growing um, and your own experiences with their frost hardiness. So if you don't have a heater built in to your structure when it's going to be that cold, um, what we're shooting for is just something that we can put in that house to take the chill off. So that could be just like an overnight propane rocket heater um, that you would go out and set up at midnight in your tunnel. Um, and you're only going to need that to run basically until you get through sunrise. Once you get through sunrise and you can get some sun hitting that plastic, that's going to wake up all of your—or not wake up. It's going to change your temperatures very, very quickly because the usually the coldest time is right before sunrise. Um, so we just need to make sure that basically from— three in the morning until sunrise were, we're plenty good with temperatures inside our structure and you don't need to keep your temperature at 50 degrees when you're growing things like this. All we're looking for is like 30 30 to 35 is more than sufficient. Um, so pro- ro- blah 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 rocket uh, propane heaters or contractor heaters are great for doing this. Um, we've definitely used those in a pinch. You can get by with like a milk house heater, which is electric, um, a milk house heater and a box fan work wonders for taking the chill out of small growing spaces. Um, so just because you don't have a permanent, you know, gas heater or heater of some capacity in your structure doesn't mean that there's nothing you can do. So keep that in mind as well. Um, Once you get through kind of those chilly late spring nights um, and you are seeing, you know, warmer days coming and things are going to be able to kind of fend for themselves in sorts, um, you should be able to have blooms three to five weeks sooner than something that was planted that spring. So our goal with this cold cropping process is to have additional product to sell for mother's day and we've hit it before um quite conveniently and i think that's more so able to be done if you are growing things in a structure with this process because your greenhouse plastic or your your hoop plastic um is getting you an increased daytime temperature so even though it might be Thirty-nine, forty degrees outside and you don't see a lot of things growing outside if the sun is out or even if it's partly sunny it might be 60 to 90 degrees in that structure and your plants are going to grow a lot quicker <laughs> in uh, an 80 or even a 70 degree space rather than a 40 degree space um, so just just from those um, warm daytime temperatures and borderline hot um that's really really what will be pushing these flowers along um and that's going to to gain you weeks on an rather than an outside crop um and really that's why we have put so much like time and focus on this process is just to have more product to sell for mother's day Um, Mother's Day is arguably not, it's, no, I take that back. Mother's Day is the biggest weekend of the year for us here on the farm. So we need as much product as we can to sell in order to hit all the the markets, the pop-ups, the visitors that come to the farm, the shipped product, the wholesale product. Um, there never really is enough to go around and still make sure that we have a great selection of fillers and foliage and focals and, all the things. So, if we can rely on the cooler growing spaces like the unheated structures um, to get us some of those foliages and the fillers, we can then focus on other things in a, fu- in a true heated space. Um, I think that we should also note that this process might not work for everyone. Um, a few limiting things to keep in mind is number one if your soil freezes solid over the winter if you know that your soil freezes hard like you can't get a shovel through it um, then that's not going to probably work for the vast majority of what we're talking about and the reason that is is because if your soil isn't freezing there is still heat coming from the soil over the nighttime period and your plants and the growing crown of those plants is basically right at or in that surface soil. So as long as we're able to keep that crown alive over the winter, it doesn't have to be actively growing, we just need it to not die, Um, then we're golden. But if that soil is not able to remain thawed, then we're gonna have problems and then things are gonna die um so if you are a much colder growing or much colder climate grower rather than we are here in zone 5 um if you are going to try a process like this you're going to need to be mulching very very heavy um with uh leaf mulch or lawn clippings or something straw works as well um, around your plants to keep more of that heat in you're going to be doubling up Maybe even tripling up on your frost fabric too, to kind of keep that um, Nighttime frost that will be settling down off of the surface of your soil um, So there definitely are things that you can do, but it can be a limiting factor and it can be a huge one um, another way that this might not work is if your winter temperatures are Are not super stable so if you are like a zone 6 or 7 where you might have you know a week in the 70s and then you drop back down to the 30s and in the 20s that could be a big challenge um, because where we are we have fairly consistent winter temperatures yes we do have days in the 40s but it's not all the time Um, so having those somewhat regulated temperatures um is very very important when we're talking about keeping plants dormant um, which is really what we want to happen over the winter months um, when you do have stretches of heat and then you get back into the cold um, that warm temperature span um could ultimately throw those throw these plants into a flowering stage and that's not what we want in the middle of winter um, we need them to stay in a vegetative state so we want to see you know lots of leaf set we want to see maybe a little bit of stem growth not too much because stems freeze easier than leaves or yeah that's right um so we 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 are looking for cooler temperatures if you are in a space in a zone where you do have warmth um when you see those warm temperatures coming that means that you're going to be taking off that frost fabric you're going to be opening up your structures rolling up the sides opening the ends you know whatever you have to do to help keep those um temperatures in that structure if you're doing this in a structure as cool as possible that's just what you're going to have to do um so there are there is a little bit more babying that can come with growing in a system like this um but The rewards definitely can outweigh this if you have places to move this product. Um, So that is super important to keep in mind. Um, I'm going to take a little break, and I will come back in just a minute. And we're going to talk about specific crops that work for this system. So stick around, and I'll see ya. High-quality, accessible cut flower seeds are becoming harder and harder to find, so it's been such a huge priority for me to be able to curate a list of all of the varieties of cut flower seeds that we grow and have them available for you to purchase. So, on our website, under the Growers Place tab, you will see a page for cut flower seeds. All of those seeds that you see on our website are available. Many of them are still in stock, and they're all prepackaged, ready to go. So as soon as you place an order, we'll get that sent out to you absolutely as soon as we can. Um, I'm super excited about this list that we've curated. Many of these seeds are coming from domestic farms, so I'm super, super stoked about that. And I cannot wait for you to be able to grow all these beautiful varieties in your flower beds, gardens, and farms. Thanks for your support. Aww. That was so cute. So, um, yeah, I remember sitting in my English class in high school thinking, man, I want to have like a a seed company someday. And what do you know? We're doing it. So, yes, head to the website. We've got the things. um, And uh, I appreciate you. So much fun. Okay, so now we're going to dive into the kind of specifics of – what crops work well for this sy- this system or this process. And um, I, again, I'm prefacing this and the information I'm going to share with the fact that this is our experience. This is what we've done. We've trialed um, on our farm and we've, we do this, okay? Um, and I'm not saying this is gonna work for you. I'm not saying this isn't gonna work for you. Um, I'm just saying that this is what we do. So when we are talking about cold cropping just like with summer annuals there are two main kind of categories that we are we're looking at um we're we're looking at you know things that need to be done via transplant so we're putting either a plug or we're putting roots into the soil and then we're looking at this from a direct seeding perspective so what can we put directly as a seed into the soil and have the best results so that's how we're moving into this. We're going to be starting with the crops that we're doing this with transplants only. Um, So all of this works. I know it works. Um, So that's what we're going to do. We're going to start off with ranunculus and anemones, which have, I think, the biggest following of All of these crops, Um, and I'm not going to really break that down into specifics because we have an entire episode, episode six, that just talks about ranunculus and basically how we do this or do those with this system because that's how we grow the vast majority of all of our ranunculus is in a cold cropping system. So we plant them in the fall, we cover them with fabric, they go dormant, and then we. Take the frost fabric off in the spring once they're ready to go okay um with those two specifically we do have them planted in a structure that does have heat so we are able to push them along quicker um, that's not absolutely necessary and the other thing to note is that with ranunculus and anemones once they set flower if those first few buds get damaged with a heavy frost it's no problem. Just cut them off and there's going to be more that will come after those. So, those two work great for this process. Um, Lysianthus is another one that is a little surprising for some people because um uh, we really only see Lysianthus being planted in the spring and in the summer. Um but it is a cold hardy plant, but it does need to be planted in the fall. Um, In order to make it through the winter. I've also noticed that there is a little bit of loss that can happen if your plants get too cold Um, So kind of treat that one as a trial, but it can be done poppies work amazing for fall planted cold grown Um, and the poppies that we're doing via Transplants are different than the ones that we're going to be doing via direct seed. So Transplanted poppies would be like the fancy hummingbird varieties um, more of those larger decorative um, More bulky type plants so not so much like the Shirley's or the Icelandic because they're a little bit smaller flower um, So direct c- or plugged poppies would be the hummingbirds the Calibri's things like that That's um, a bigger plant. They need more space and um, They work amazing for this. Stock also works under this process as well. Um, The one thing that I will caution you on that we have had experience with with stock is that when the flowers start to be set um, and there's like the buds are still closed, what can happen is if you have those in the space that has too high of humidity, mold will attack those Um, crowns in those buds so you have to be very careful Um, whereas with snapdragons they're totally fine Um, but stock in particular if you know that your greenhouse is has been very humid or you're seeing just like some weird stuff happening on like some leaf mulch like lots of mold decomposition happening um, you're really gonna need to either drop down your temperature So open up sides on your greenhouse. Um, Increase airflow is also super important. And make sure that those crowns are drying out um, during the day. So if you've got um, like a mist or like a fog that is settling in your greenhouses overnight, make sure that that is being completely evaporated during the daytime temperatures because it's very easy to lose a good stand of stock due to mold and botrytis. Um, Snapdragons I mentioned just a minute ago are fantastic for this process. Um I think the best snaps that we grow are grown um from cold cropped plants solely because there is such a long cool growing season with this process that snapdragons are just so much better. Um, the stems are thicker, the the flowers are bulkier Um, the stems are a lot stronger as well. Um, so I'm super, super huge proponent with, um, fall planted snapdragons and even winter planted snapdragons. The one thing that I will say that you might notice is that during the winter months, if you're planting a taller, um, sunflower or snapdragon transplant, a lot of times that stem will freeze off in the middle and it'll kind of like kink over uh, during the winter. Don't freak out. It's totally fine. The what is happening in that process or at that time is the plant is basically taking account of its priorities, and it knows that it would rather lose the upper part of the plant and cut that off as a loss, and then it, it's got all of the the nodes, the leaf nodes on the lower half of that plant. Um, so if what is effectively happening is that plant is pinching itself for you, so that's what that's what it's what it's doing. Um, because everywhere that a leaf node is on that remaining part of the stem that is closer to the soil where, the, where there's more warmth, those are going to turn into branches for the next spring. So it's going to still produce tons of beautiful flowers and you're gonna be more than sufficient there. Um, one thing to note is that if your sunflowers are really tall and beautiful and you do see a very hard frost coming, you're going to need to do something to keep them warm. They can take a very, very, very light frosting, um, but they do not like to freeze once they have you know, reached closer to that maturity. The other thing with snaps is that if you are covering them with a frost cloth, once they've got those bloom spikes established, you really, really should not have the fabric touching the flower stem or that bloom spike. Um, because that's going to put a kink in the stem. Um, Depending on the stage of maturity, sometimes they'll grow out of it, but if it's really bad and that frost fabric is on for a long period of time, your stems are going to be a little screwy. So you got to kind of keep that in mind as well. Um, Another all-star winner that I absolutely adore in this uh, system is Dianthus. So if you're using a first-year flowering Dianthus like the Sweet or the Amazon series, um, they're perfect. They are so gorgeous, and they're very, very frost-hardy over the winter months, too. Um, the stems this past 2021 season were incredible. They branched beautifully. We did have to support them, just like the Snapdragons, um, with the the metal cages that we grow, or that we make, um, and they are lovely 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 they hold forever on the plant they hold forever in the cooler um there is a nice variety of color it's more so on the warmer tones but there is a white that works well too um so huge fans love it do it all the time can't get enough of it um violas and pansies oh my goodness that was another surprise all-star from the 2021 season um there are certain strains or series of violas and pansies that do get taller. And when we're looking at seed listings, we're talking, of we want to find things that have like an eight plus inch listing in the seed catalog. Um, Because when we're growing that under a greenhouse, it's going to have a longer growing vegetative growing period. So it's going to get taller. And we're also planting them very, very close. Like we're talking three, maybe four inches apart max. So because of that, it's going to force those plants up higher and a lot quicker. So we are able to really push and get decent stems. Um, We'll start cutting on those plants when they're hitting like six to eight, maybe a 10 inch stem, and then we'll continue harvesting as long as we can. The one thing to note with those is that you usually don't get a second flush because we get too hot here. Um, So you just kind of Keep that in mind that when you have them, you have them for a re- relatively short amount of time. Um, and then once they get too hot, they're done. So you you move on, you plant something else if you have them in a large space. Um, so that is another great one. Um, Campanula is beautiful. You can direct seed that as well as uh, transplanted. Um, love it, love it. Campanula, in you if you plant it in the spring, can be a challenge if you get it in too late. Um, it will start to flower when it's very, very small. Um, so planting it in the fall is a much better option because it has, um, the ability to kind of naturalize itself and get used to the, the spring daylight changes, which is what triggers blooming, um, for that crop. So definitely try and get that in, in the fall if you have the covered space for it. Um, delphinium, beautiful, absolutely beautiful planted in the fall, um, it has what that really perfect cool growing period in the early spring which is what we're looking for and the flowers are stunning 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 um mandara is another great one um we grow not like the perennial mandara um we're growing the let me find it here lemon mint that's what you. what's what we're going for. It's got a really beautiful, uh, purple kind of like a cone esque shaped flower. Um, th- the flower itself is very visually intriguing and is great. And it's cold hardy too, so that makes it even better. Um, Rudbeckia shouldn't necessarily be a surprise, but it works quite well. Um, the Sahara series is fantastic. The Gloriosa series is lovely as well. Um, Status, Strawflower, and amobium. those are like my three OG killer blooms. Um, We do the vast majority of Status, Strawflower, and amobium directly planted into the field. Um, We get those out on beds that we prepared in the fall, Um, but we're planting transplants out the end of March here. Um, So, It's still very, very cold at that point in time. We still have weeks and weeks' worth of frosts. Um, But those three in particular, I have the most experience with having the most cold hardiness for an annual. Um, They can freeze completely, and they'll be totally fine um, for a short amount of time. I think those crops in particular benefit more, and they have a more prolonged longevity a more prolonged life, if they're able to get them out early so that those roots can go deeper and have longer access to cooler soil so that when those hot summer temperatures are starting to come in the late spring, early summer, um, those roots are still cool. And that's super-duper important. Um, I will say that status-grown undercover is insane. It is beautiful. It is perfect. And it is very, very productive. So... (laughs) plan accordingly. You might not need 400 bed feet of status. So just throwing that out there. Um, things that you can direct seed and still have great success with. Um, this this next one um, is w- arguably one of the most important for us for Mother's Day, um, in my mind, and it is Bells of Ireland. And the reason why is it can be very, very challenging to Grow Bells of Ireland in a transplant um, if you're growing your own plugs. Granted, if you're purchasing plugs from a professional, then they know how to do it. But um, the biggest thing that I have found with growing Bells is they need that cold period to really germinate and to give those seeds um, a fighting chance. So by direct seeding them in the fall with the cooler temperatures, with the cooler soil, Um, many of them will sprout and grow over the winter. Um, and they are beautiful, beautiful, beautiful. Um, so huge, huge fan of Bells of Ireland. It does have a scent. Some people are not super huge fans. Um, but I think you only get the majority of the scent once the foliage is cut and you start to really, um, bring those juices to, to the surface, Um, Nigella is beautiful direct seeded um, with this process. I've found that when we direct seed nigella, the seeds are a lot closer than if we were doing this via plug. So that's going to make the stems a little bit more usable. Another nice thing with nigella is that you can use it when the flower is flowering or you can use it when the flower has spent and they're producing seed pods. And if you let the seed pods reach closer to maturity, they dry beautifully. So that crop has a large window of harvest, um, which we talked about last week, and um, has a a larger um, selling window because of that. So big fans of that one. Larkspur, another beautiful one. I will caution you that Larkspur grown in a tunnel, at least in our zone in our experience, gets a little tall. So it might be better to hold off and do that one depending on your zone um, as a direct seed in the field a little bit closer to an actual springtime. It'll keep the plants a little bit shorter and a little more workable. Um, The quality is beautiful, yes, but sometimes they're a little too mangy. Um, Poppies for direct seeded. This is going to be things like your Icelandics, your Shirley's, um, your Amazing Gray, your um, bread seed poppies. All of those are fantastic, and they really, truly do respond better um, by planting in the fall because they have the biggest selling point, which is that cool growing period. Um, Poppies, if they are planted in the spring, um, especially if they're planted in the late spring, they oftentimes don't have enough time to really get a large plant set before they start to try to produce the flowers. Um, And if you have a smaller green plant going into flower production, you're going to have smaller flowers. So you want um, a nice, big, bulky, robust vegetative plant before it gets hot enough for them to start producing flowers. So keep that in mind. Um, Bachelor buttons. If you love bachelor buttons, you're going to love bachelor buttons planted in this process because the plants get flipping massive. Um, So, yeah that's another crazy one. Not everybody loves growing bachelor buttons because they can be kind of a pain to harvest. Um, But the option is there. Absolutely. Um, Another fun one that I'm seeing a few more growers tapping into is flax. Um, Not so much necessarily for the flower. The flowers are cute, um, but we're growing flax for the pod. It makes a super, super adorable little like fear seed pod um that kind of forms as a spray on the stem so there's multiple of them happening on that stem um so big fan of that and um there are a few other grainy type plants that we can kind of bundle in with flax too so that's going to be things like um wheats and ryes so if you have like a black bearded wheat or a blue seeded wheat um and there are lots and lots of heirloom-type grains that do need this cold period um, in order for them to have a successful grain set. Um, so especially if you're utilizing and tapping into like a dried flower market or you're you're wanting to have product for winter um, or fall season, doing something like this is great. Um, other things that work for flowers is going to be um, amy, which is like a, a Queen Anne's lace. Uh, which is a type of carrot. So if you think about the growth principles and processes of a carrot, um, in order to get a best or a better flower set, it needs that cold period. Um, So fantastic, lovely, and gorgeous. Um, And along with Ami is going to be like your Dacus, Dacus Dara, which is basically purple Queen Anne's Lace. It's just another variety of carrot. Um, So big selling points to all of those. So, I know that was kind of a quick fly through on that listing. And, like I said earlier, I will um, have this list in the description of this podcast so that you can um, kind of have a reference point. You could take a screenshot of that and um, know what we've got going on for that process. So, with that i think we are going to kind of start to wrap up this episode um i hope that our time together today has been beneficial for you um like i said this is the middle of march so we've got plenty of plenty of time to um, do some of the preliminary work for this growing process so keeping track of your frost uh, dates you know checking your soil over the winter to see if it's frozen Um, those are really crucial points to making this system work for you. Um, So do your homework now so that you are going to have more success next year. Um, As always, this is just our experience. Okay, That's what we're sharing. Um, My goal is to help you. I'm not here to tell you one way or another to do something or that what I'm telling you is gospel and it's going to work because it might not work for you. Okay, Um, I'm just doing my best to help you. That's my goal for for this podcast is just to be able to help, maybe answer a few questions, maybe inspire, push you to try you to try something new. Um, because our overall goal is to have more product to sell. Because these are businesses that we're talking about. This is our business. This is my livelihood, um, and yeah, this is a beautiful life to live and and turn it into a business. So, um, with that, thank you for being here. Please do follow us on social media, ClaraJoyceFlowers.com on Facebook and Instagram. If you have questions about today's uh, episode or ideas for new topics, you can send me an email at Drew at ClaraJoyceFlowers.com. I also did a presentation for ASCFG that is online about this topic so you can tap into that as well Um, on our website claridressflowers.com we have merch plants cut flower seeds which you heard about in the middle and um, dahlia tubers um, for purchase i will say that tubers are going to be shipping pretty soon um, so get your orders in Um, depending on your streaming platform for today's episode please feel free to like comment and subscribe i always enjoy seeing what y'all have to say and sharing those fun little tidbits with the crew so i hope you have a fabulous rest of your day i hope you have a great weekend and i will talk to you next week when we are breaking into the topic of sourcing and things that we look out for when we're buying stuff so um i'll see you then bye (laughs)